Welcome to the Equipping Webinar, where we connect discipleship, theology, and apologetics to everyday life. My name is Nathan Wagnon. I serve on the Equipping Team here. I'm one of the hosts of the webinar, and my co-host is the famous Nika Spaulding. <laughs> famous in her mind. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only mind that matters. Yeah, that's right. Uh, hey, friends, Nika Spaulding here, and I serve at the pleasure of the King, Blake Holmes, <laughs> and who's also going to be joining us today. But I'm one of the women's equipping directors who gets to help with all things women's Bible study, most of the equipping opportunities, things like Viewpoint, this webinar, training day, and whatnot. So I'm excited to be a part of this. And then we have Sylvia McCallum is going to be fielding your questions over email or text. So Sylvia, tell us about yourself. Yeah, excited to be here in this room and sitting across from Nika. So I'll try not to laugh too hard <laughs> nice. into the microphone. But yeah, I serve here on the stewardship and equipping team. So I help out with things like money wise and training days and core classes. So yeah. just love being on this team. And tell us, why are you not going to be able to help us next month? Yeah, next month I will be on my honeymoon. So nice. I'm so sorry. I will not be calling in during nice. that Friday. Can we call you? <laughs> you can call. I just may not, not answer. answer. <laughs> nice. And then our, our guest panelist uh, for this webinar is Blake Holmes. He is the senior equipping director here at Watermark Community Church and also runs our resident program. He has a love for not just any country music, but like real country music and uh, not this new like Justin Timberlake. Right. Slash, no, thank uh, George Strait, Alan Jackson, <laughs> not Lady Annabelle. And then uh, also is a huge fan of the Baylor Bears, who if you're watching the March Madness tournament, then you saw what happened yesterday. But you want to give any comment about <clears throat> that real quick? Painful <laughs> is really all I need to say. Painful. Love to talk about the football program. If we want to talk about the yeah. new stadium, yeah, we can yeah. divert and go there if you want. Yeah. Or the maybe the most famous thing about Waco lately is the Fixer Upper show. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway. Anything but two years in a row getting beat. But. I know, right? <clears throat> well, hey, well, let's just jump right into our topic for today, which is what are some of the uh, guiding principles or principles for growth as we think about people ma maturing into Christ and their relationship with Jesus. Um, what are some of those um, principles that should guide us into thinking rightly about how to do that? But before we get into that, we get the question a lot of times um, around here, especially on the equipping team. Sometimes people come up to me and they're, they're like, hey, what is equipping? <laughs> like, what do you What do you guys even do? Yeah, what know? do you do? <laughs> so, Blake, okay. how, my whole family you... still asks me know, that question. Right? <laughs> What's the equipping ministry? No doubt. So here, here's the simplest way I, I, I try to explain that. Our, our hope, our desire is, the scripture says, be diligent to present yourself as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. And so that really is a, a verse that I've... It, I've kind of just hidden in my heart and continually asked myself, hey, what am I doing to uh, to to be diligent so that I'm not ashamed? That I could be that that workman. And um, and our and our hope is, is that we can help people take the next step in their relationship with Christ um, by being informed by God's word and understanding what it means to walk with him. So that that the simplest way of saying is our our hope, our goal, our responsibility is to help people take that next step 
regardless of where they are. Some people may simply be investigating or exploring the faith. Some are new in the faith. Some are um, are uh, mature in the faith or growing in Christ. And so uh, regardless of where someone is, we want to create context where they can come and, and learn um, what it looks like to take that next step. Yeah, because a, a lot of times people have this idea of equipping as as like it's a it's something for like brand new believers, right. you know, and and yet obviously um, the one thing you realize as you grow up into Christ is the the closer you get to Him, the more you realize how how far you really are away, right. you know, and and so having an opportunity for people in the various stages of growth. Um, is is pretty crucial for um, an equipping ministry. This is also the time where we make the shameless plug for the CLC conference, where Nate and I will be doing a breakout session on this <laughs> very topic. That. So That's if right. you're planning to join us in April, yeah. uh, we'll have the opportunity to talk in a little bit more detail of what what are those programs and specifically here at Watermark that that are targeted for each of those categories that Blake talked about. Um, but today is a little bit different. Not not necessarily the programs, but what are then those those principles? What are the things that make equipping work? And I would say this, Nathan, I actually think when people think of equipping, they don't think about those who are new in Christ often. They think about those who are mature in Christ, mm-hmm. those who th- think of the professor, right? The guy who's spent a long time studying theology, and it almost feels like this thing that's out there, divorced from real life, um, and uh, just this um, cerebral kind of library. That's that's what those who are involved in equipping. And, and I just say that's that's not who we are. That's not what we do. And I don't think that's what God's intention is. I think God desires for every believer. That's the role of the church. So our role on this team is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That means every believer, God desires for them to be diligent, to present themselves mm-hmm. as a workman who doesn't need to be shamed, handling accurately the word of truth. That's what the goodness of God. God wants us to know him. He's given us his word. He's revealed his will to us through his word so that we could understand it and walk with him. And so equipping is not for the guy who's only interested in vocational ministry. Equipping is for every single person so that we can have a relationship with God. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, I need to interject, though. I committed already the first sin of webinaring and used an acronym, CLC, when I should have said the Church Leadership Conference is what CLC means, April 19th, 2021. So thanks, Sylvia, for uh, rebuking me silently with your hands. So. Awesome. So, hey, let's let's jump right into that, Blake, because, I, I mean— Obviously, I think you're right. I think that um, when the kind of the whole mindset around, you know, being equipped to be a good workman, um, what role does reliance and dependence on the spirit have to play in that type of mentality? Because obviously it can be easy to be like, okay, I have to be a workman. And that means I, I have to do all this stuff. I have to work really hard. I have to. And it can be really easy to start to depend on our own giftedness, our own ability to understand our own ability to interact with people, our own ability to all that stuff. And I'm just reminded, we, we use this verse a lot around here, but I just want to read it um, just for the people's, um, just to remind them in, in John chapter 15, verses four and five, Jesus says this, he says, abide in me and I will abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you, you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man rem- abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Um, that's John 15, um, four to five. So talk to us a little bit about what is what is that role of dependence? Yeah, on the spirit? It, and so <clears throat> we've mentioned a couple of times, what are the guiding principles of, of our ministry? 
And, um, and I would say they're not only the guiding principles of our ministry, they're the guiding principles of which I believe every individual should think about the spiritual life. And, and that is one um, that we uh, often make mention of first, and that is dependence over independence. We recognize that apart from the work of the Spirit in someone's life, there is nothing uh, we can offer that is going to be of any eternal value. I, I know Jesus says there, hey, they can do nothing. And what he means is it's not that they can't. Um, physically do anything. Right. Physically do nothing. What he's saying, hey, it, there's nothing that you're going to be able to offer that's going to be of eternal value um, or uh, uh, to, to glorify God. And so um, I think often, and I think you're right, Nathan, I think sometimes people think, well, I just work harder. If I just memorize more, if I of the Bible, if I study harder in Bible study, those, those are certainly disciplines that God has given us. But if we recognize that it's not about how hard we work, but it's about a recognition that we need God in this process. We need to hear his spirit. We need to recognize uh, how he's moving in our life, what he's trying to communicate with us. That's what we're talking about, a relationship with the one true God. That Think about that, that, that God, creator of heaven and earth, who, who created us in his image, desires to have a relationship with us. And it's... Um, it's, it's incredible to think that he initiates with us, invites mm-hmm. us into this relationship. And so far as we depend upon him, we can actually grow mm-hmm. in Christ likeness, mm-hmm. grow in godliness. Yeah. But it's not just through self-determinism. It's a dependence upon him. Yeah. yeah. Go, oh, ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, Blake, I just remember very early on coming on staff with you and uh, you sitting me down and going, Nike, my prayer for you is that your faithfulness will exceed your giftedness. And uh, I think you brought up a good point is just, you know, you can do nothing and people go, no, I, I can do some things out of right. just sheer talent. We're, you know, right. full of force and all those things. And I remember you saying that and kind of taking it, you know, I was like, well, I've always sort of been praised for those talents, for those gifts, for those things that, I mean, you know, God uniquely makes people in those ways. And I remember going, gosh, that's a, that's a much higher calling for mm-hmm. my faithfulness to exceed you know, this craft that I can work on of right. speaking or whatever those things are. And so, uh, I know it's been huge in my life for you to have said that to me, but also seeing how incredibly important that is, even if you're a person like we've seen around Watermark that we have people here who are 10 talent kind of folks, people God's given a ton of gifts mm-hmm. to and going, hey, without the spirit, though, it's a vain pursuit. Well, and here's what's scary, though, is oftentimes from the outside, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to discern whether or not I'm True. operating in the flesh, as the Bible talks about when we're operating according to our own um, strengths and abilities, yeah. or if I'm operating in humble dependence upon the Lord. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes you can even be praised for the things that you're doing operating out of the flesh and it looks right. Yep. And so um, I think it's each person's individual responsibility as is to go before the Father and, and to humble themselves and um, to recognize that, hey, left to ourselves, we will divert to the flesh. We will operate um, in our own strength. But if we want to grow, if we want our ministry to be uh, honoring to the Lord, the very first thing we've got to do is we've, as Jesus started the Sermon on the Mount, we've got to recognize that we're poor in spirit. We need Jesus. Um, and apart from him, we really can do nothing. Yeah. yeah. I tell people around here and I tell myself <laughs> a lot too, is that, Hey, if, if the things that you're doing um, are, are not substantively connecting you, um, into deeper intimacy with Jesus, then you're doing something, but it's not Christian. And, that's and, right. uh, and that's, 
And, and frankly, I think the question is, well, what are you doing? And I think that's a really, you know, that's scary. It's like, I don't know right. what you're doing. You're, right. you're, you're, you're deepening your dependence on yourself and, and you're, uh, further habituating, um, a, just a deeply ingrained natural Pharisaism that if left to ourselves, that's what we refer to. Right. We're, we're building idols, <laughs> yep, totally. oftentimes yep. idols to ourselves. Yep. That's good. Yep. Well, you know, when you say the equipping team, what often, you know, typically when people think of is obviously Bible study and things like that. And so it is true that a part of our ministry has a lot to do with accurately handling that word of God. So Blake, talk to us a little bit about just the role that the word plays, the role that truth plays in our ministry and should play in in people's lives. Right. This may seem self-evident to a lot of people when they think about it, but um, it's important to note, though, is we've got to think about... um, Bear with me here as I ex- explain this, but this whole idea of kind of source authority, what, what, um, what is the authority in our lives? Um, the Bible says, very familiar passage, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures God breathes and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. It goes on and says, so the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It, it, so God has given us his word so that we can grow in Christ's likeness. Um, and in the the Bible, um, it, it serves as our final conscience guide and authority. Um, we we believe that the the truth of God resides within the Word of God, and we've got to understand what is the meaning. What what is Scripture saying? A, a, a common phrase around here we often use is, "Hey, what does the Bible have to say about that?" That should be whether no what no matter what it is we're talking about, if it's politics or finances or marriage or relationships or we, we should ask ourselves, what does Scripture have to say about that? Because we want our lives to be informed by Scripture. And to flesh this out a little bit is there's so many competing other authorities in our lives that are screaming for um, our allegiance. And so, um, it, it, for example, just even our, our own feelings, right? When we allow our feelings to um, serve as... Um, our, our authority, then we're going to find ourselves in, in trouble. You know, Todd's often said around here, which I, I, I like a lot. He said, hey, feelings are real, but they're just not reliable. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel like God doesn't love me. Sometimes I feel like God has forgotten me. That's not true, though. And so one of the guiding principles of the equipping ministry is to continue to ask people, hey, w- what does God's word have to say about that? And we want to let that shape everything else. God's word is going to go before tradition, reason, experience, feelings, and that's going to be our authority. So that's going to be what we are going to appeal to. Now the the challenge is how do we rightly interpret God's word? And that's where we have to wrestle. Well, and that's why we have a core class this summer that Nate and I will be teaching. Keys to effective Bible study. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's two uh, plugs, <laughs> plugs from Micah. Yeah. I also got a text from Rick Smith more. telling me I said church leadership conference, and it's the church leaders conference, so I'm pretty much going to be <laughs> signing correct. off on my last webinar after today. <laughs> As I've asked before. many times before, who hired Nika? I know, right? <laughs> I'm going to get that tattooed somewhere. We didn't say that that was part of J- Blake's job description is to clean up Nike's mess. That's true. So. Just, he's doing a great job. But no, I think to, to what you're saying though, Blake, I, um, I think that, that it's extremely important that we recognize um, scripture as, as the final authority for doctrine and practice, but to do so without 
um, minimizing or lessening the importance of the other sources of authority. Yes. So like your, Hey, your emotions are real. Yes. They are important. They are your, your reason, your ability to think rightly is important, right? It's just not the final thing. That's and, exactly And right. that's, uh, th- that should always be read through the lens of, you know, how, how we understand um, how God has revealed himself to us um, in his word. Right. God, God has made us uh, emotional beings. Yeah, totally. We, um, totally. Our feelings, our emotions, um, those are certainly real. He has given us a mind. We're to, yeah. but we're to use that mind, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, to love God. In fact, we're, we're, the Bible says a lot about how we're to think. Uh, Philippians says, you know, what was true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, of good repute. I mean, there's a lot that um, the Bible says about how we're to love our mo- love God with our minds. Um, it, so I, I totally agree. It, and even in our circle, sometimes tradition has a kind of a bad connotation to mm-hmm, it. But mm-hmm. tradition's not bad. Yep. I mean, we need to understand what have what has the faith community right. thought and believed about certain doctrines and practices. Long before I was here, yeah, and I need to understand yeah, that. Yeah, if, yeah, if you're holding to some doctrine that you're like, man, after two thousand years of <laughs> established orthodoxy, I've got something new. That's right. You might want to push pause on yeah. that, right? You know? Well, and it is helpful. I mean, that we've had through the council, people define things that aren't necessarily defined in scripture. Things like, you know, Jesus being fully God and fully man. And we have terms and ways to talk about it and ways to wield our intellect that God has designed in that way. But what we don't ever want to do is flip it upside down and suddenly the feelings become more That's important right. than scripture. And especially when you have competing ideas, then suddenly we go, well, if your feelings are saying X, but scripture is saying Y, we're going to double down, obviously, on scripture. Right. That. And, th- and that's what's got to kind of use the metaphor you know, of, of, of the train, right? That it, it's we don't want to allow our feelings to, to drive the train. That, that's got to be the truth of God's word. And so um, so I know that sounds probably um probably obvious to, to many people, but what I would say is, um, practically speaking, mm-hmm. that's not the way we operate. Yeah, so we need each other to be reminded of truth. We need to remind each other of truth. We need to encourage each other in truth. We need to, to, uh, read God's word and challenge each other, um, to make sure that we are rightly and accurately, uh, understanding what does the text say and, um, and that's where the hard spade work takes yeah. place, if you will. It's not always easy. And uh, so that but that is our, our authority. We want to understand what does the text say and not read our feelings, our experience um, into the text and, and twist it to mean something different. Yeah. If you if you ever find yourself in a Bible study and the only substantive question people are asking is, hey, what do you feel like this means to, you know, to you? Then find a new Bible study. <laughs> And the reason, and Nathan, you know, we laugh, but the the reason is, is, is because the meaning resides in the text, as we said. And it's not just what does it mean to you. The better question is, hey, based on what we've learned about what the scriptures teach, how do you think you might respond? What do you think the next step is you need to take? And how to apply this to your life? That's a better question. Yep, right? yep, it's good. Like earlier when we were talking about dependence versus independence, you kind of hinted on this this idea of training over trying. This idea of sometimes we try to muscle our way right. into Christianity, or uh, or we try to we wake up one day and decide God's telling me to run a marathon. I haven't trained at all, so I'm just <laughs> going to go out and get my two miles in and then die. And right. so go ahead and talk about training versus trying and yeah, how that applies. I, I, so this is a this is a, I love that that you asked this question, and I think about this often. <clears throat> this is really important. 
is that spiritual growth is not a matter of of just trying harder, but it is training wisely. So um, I think sometimes we reduce the spiritual life to kind of shortcuts, formulas, and we try really hard. Um, and so think about it. I mean, you use the illustration of the marathon. Could I go, could I try really hard today to run a marathon? Sure, I could try really hard, but based on uh, my workout schedule as of late, that's going to really hurt. <laughs> it's I gonna, might die. Yeah, I might die. It's going to really, it's going to really hurt, but I could try. Um, but if I train, I can actually run a marathon in, uh, in a pace that I'd be proud of. And so another way of looking at it and the one I've, I've used before, even on a Sunday at Watermark before is I don't have any training in, in playing the, the piano. Right. But I marvel. I have some friends who can make that piano. They can, I mean, those keys, there's like fires coming through their fingers, right? They have trained. Mm-hmm. So I could hear a song and think, man, that's beautiful and want to go and play that. So I'll try really hard. I'll try to read the music. I'll try to, to play those notes, but no matter how hard I try, it's just not, I'm not going to be able to make music, but so what's the difference? Well, somebody has disciplined themselves. Somebody has trained wisely. They're not just trying, they've trained themselves to be able to play the piano. They've played the scales. They've learned how to read music. They have, spent the the number of hours to practice time and time again so that when other people hear them, they go, man, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I would say the same thing is true in the spiritual life. If you think about it, the people we respect, the people who um, we admire, whether they're godly fathers, godly mothers, gifted communicators, people who are running their business in a way that other people go, man, I admire that. That doesn't happen by accident. Mm -hmm. It's not just because they're trying hard. Um, They have trained themselves. They have um, taken advantage of what we call as the spiritual disciplines. And those are simply a means of God's grace um, to help us. They're the habits, if you will. I don't like the word discipline because I think of my my mom said, Hey, eat your broccoli, you know, like I know I need to eat my broccoli and, but I'm still not going to be disciplined for it or something like that. Right. It just doesn't have it, but they're just simply the spiritual habits that help us grow in Christ likeness. And so that's the whole idea of, of, um, there is a dependence upon the Lord certainly, but we play a part and, and that's pretty exciting to think that God invites us in and says, Hey, I want a relationship with you. And, and you get to play a part in that. We're not just robots, right? We get to play a part in that through engaging with him in Bible study, in prayer, in solitude, in worship, in giving, and so in other means. So, uh, yeah, Blake, that's a great point. I, as you're glad you mentioned some of those specific disciplines, Nate, this is an area that I feel like is a, a strength of yours. And uh, just what are some resources that you'd say if somebody going, hey, I, this idea of disciplines this is new to me. All I know is Bible study and prayer. So, uh, you know, Blake mentioned solitude and, and there are others and you know, even fasting and things like that, that sometimes we don't always hear about in some some circles. So what are some resources you'd recommend just for anybody who might be thinking they want to learn more about that? Yeah. So I'm one of our ministries here is is called Equip Disciple. And a lot of you uh, may have gone through Equip Disciple before. We, we focus on uh, four major disciplines in Equip Disciple, uh, Bible study, prayer, scripture memorization and evangelism. And <clears throat> it's a great starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times we can 
um, we and this is the danger of, of what you were saying before is is that we can get so caught up in practicing the disciplines that the disciplines become the end in and themselves and not a means of grace to again substantively connecting to Jesus to cultivate intimacy with mm -hmm. him like there is no there is no life that comes from spiritual disciplines mm -hmm. it, it, it it never has it never will you know life comes only from the supreme life right god himself and so the disciplines are the means of grace by which i, I love i love the farming metaphor um the, the imagery of the kind of the agrarian society one because i think it's biblical that's <laughs> what they talked that's the society they that uh, the writers of, of scripture lived in but, but it's this idea of, of tilling, cultivating the ground. The farmer does work. So like you said, I mean, it, like we have responsibility to do, but the farmer does work to, to, uh, to take a seed that he did not create, right? But he, does, he, he puts himself in a place and he puts the seed in a place where it can receive water, sunlight, all of these things. But the farmer, never in the history of mankind has a farmer ever caused any crop to grow, right. you know, and that's the, you know, that's the, uh, um, the, the part that a lot of times gets really dangerous for people who do get habitually into kind of this dis really overly disciplined lifestyle to where the disciplines can become an end in themselves. And then you find yourself back to square one where you're not depending on the Holy Spirit, you're independent and you're relying on your own strength. But uh, all that to say, <laughs> to circle back around, is I'm, uh, I'm taking our directors in Equip Disciple right now where we just started reading this book by Richard Foster called The Celebration of Discipline. Um, it is an outstanding uh, book. That's probably the first resource I would push to people is um, go grab Foster's book. He does a really good job of explaining what the disciplines are, what they're not, how to practice them. Any any branches out beyond those four basic ones that we kind of mm -hmm. focus on as far as beginning that um, here um, and, and incorporates other disciplines that a lot of times people are like, oh, I didn't know that was a discipline. I, I was um, talking to someone the other day and I was like, hey, you, you can incorporate a discipline into anything you're doing. So um, I found myself uh, one time I was, uh, if Margaret's listening to this, she's my wife. Um, uh, I was, I was mopping the floor. <laughs> so I should the get points time. for that. <laughs> no, the one time I mopped the floor. And now but you're was, bragging. I know, right? <laughs> There's something I need to repent about that. <clears throat> but I was mopping the floor one time at home and, and the me mopping the floor had no eternal spiritual value to it at all. However, I began to use that time in prayer, which is a discipline, right. to to mentally picture like um, the fact that the blood of Jesus has washed away my sin. Like where there was once dirt, mud, muck, mire is now clean. You know, so that you can incorporate that, you know, the um, prayer into any exercise you're doing. And now all of a sudden a mundane task becomes something that is connecting you to Christ in worship. That's great. Yeah. So and that leads to another principle that I would say is we emphasize transformation over information. And the goal of Bible study, to your point, Nathan and Nika, the goal of Bible study is not just merely information. It's life change. Mm -hmm. It's so that we become more like Christ. So the disciplines, they are not the end. Mm -hmm. They're only the means. I've heard you use several times, Nathan, the, mm -hmm. the, the metaphor, right, of the, the chalice and the, and the, and the vine. A lot of folks are going. Did you just say what's a what's a trellis? What, right. What's a what's a trellis? <laughs> and so that that's just simply what you've seen before. That um, 
gardeners use a structure, a fixed structure, so that the the, the vine has something to hold on to and um, can take root and grow. And so oftentimes, the, uh, the reason why I like that metaphor y- you use is because the if you would, you compare the trellis to the spiritual disciplines. Mm-hmm. But the goal is not to create a fixture, a structure, so that people walk in your backyard and go, man, that's that's, that's a nice looking trellis. Nice mm-hmm. the, the, what they do is, is, is what you're doing is you're, you're growing that vine. And um, just to continue that metaphor, it's the work of God's spirit. It's the vine um, in our lives that the spiritual disciplines give structure to. And, um, and so we cooperate with that spirit to see life change take place. So it's, you know, I often laugh and say around here, you know, our goal is not just to make smarter sinners. And, uh, and what I mean by that is, is that the aim of Bible study is not just so that you'll win the next Bible trivia quiz so that you could have more information. It's so that you can take that information and apply it to your life and, and grow in Christ likeness. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I, I one do want to win a Bible trivia game show at some point, though. So I just want to be clear, it's not sinful, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you're hitting on something, you know, big like that we do try and do. And so when you think about in our ministries and Bible study and things like that, if the only part of the person that we're considering is their head knowledge, right. then it seems incomplete. And it's also a denial of the way that God created us. I mean, He tells us throughout the Gospels and specifically in, in the Mark passage where you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to 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 only create people that worship well with their mind, oh, I know this truth, but I don't really believe it, or I know this truth, but it doesn't impact my life. Suddenly now we've got an incomplete church and really we've got a scary church, maybe one where, where Jesus comes in and goes, you are a bunch of whitewashed tombs as he's right. talking to the Pharisees. And so uh, while we we can't help as equipping people love knowledge and we love information, and in some ways you do get excited when you make a smarter sinner because we're sinful and we're like, right. oh, you know it. Right. <laughs> uh, but if you don't take that one more step to go, but but really, how is this, How is this? as Nate would say, substantially allowing you to connect with God? Is this changing mm-hmm. the way that you, you worship? Is this bringing you and drawing you into his presence and more fullness? Um, and it's not this, this is that part where I think people have to take that really, that, that gut check moment and going, okay, so I just learned this. What am I going to do with this information right. that I now know? And, and here's the thing. If I spend hours studying God's word and I just absorb more information, but yet my kids really aren't excited when I yeah. come home, my wife doesn't feel like I love, honor her, serve her, care for her. If they don't see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness in my life, yeah. according to Galatians 5, if I'm not bearing fruit, that's a problem. And then I am going to be guilty of a pharisaical life of which Jesus rebuked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's terrific. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Blake, you talked on something and you sort of already, you can't help it. Sort of all these principles sort of go together. I mean, you can't, they feel divorced from each other. They kind of get weird. And so you naturally leave the next one is that we do talk about that it's about transformation. But transformation in the spiritual life is not typically done corporately. I mean, we can't just do a Bible study and then go, okay, no, everybody's now taking one giant <laughs> leap together. Right. Yay. And so talk to us about the role that Watermark and we should all play in our life between personalized walking and programmatic walking with the Lord. Uh, so I, what I would say is, we just if you remember, we talked about, hey, what does the equipping ministry do <laughs> at the very beginning? And I said, hey, we want to help people take the next step in their relationship with Christ. Well, we're all in different points in our journey. Um, as I mentioned earlier, some people are exploring the faith. They're, they're not sure what they believe about the Bible, God, Jesus, the cross, the resurrection. They don't know. 
Um, some people, in fact, are hostile toward it and antagonistic. But by God's grace and by the kindness of friends, they're at least willing to engage with us. And so we want to create a place. And we have called Great Questions, um, where people, we've created a safe environment where people feel like they can come and ask honest questions and feel like somebody's going to give them, uh, honor their question, respect their question, and give them uh, an answer beyond just a cliche. By the way, that meets every Monday night at 730 <laughs> at the Dallas campus and Tuesday nights at 730 in the Plano campus. And, and also, if I can interrupt you real quick, Blake, um, apologize, but there is, there's a handout that uh, that's our equipping brochure at the bottom. If you want to open that right now, then you can track along. I think probably a lot of what you're going to say is gets unpacked further in that. So go right. Ahead. And I love that ministry. I always want to be a church where people can invite their non-believing friends. I mean, that, and if, if we ever become the place where we can't do that, then I don't, I don't want it. That's not of Christ. That's yeah, not where I want to be. What's the point of taking be. next steps with Christ if you don't even have the first step? <laughs> right. You know? And so I love engaging with people who have difficult questions. I mean, that's really how I came to faith. Somebody respected me enough to help me through tough questions I was asking at a young age. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we recognize people are exploring their faith. We recognize people are, are new in Christ. And, and, and so you got to think about and respect the fact that we're all on a, a journey here as we pursue our relationship with, with the Lord. And some have been walking with the Lord for six months. Some have been walking for six years, some 60 years, right? And so it's not necessarily though the length, of time that equates to maturity, but to the degree that you have disciplined yourself for mm-hmm. godliness, to the degree that you've depended upon the spirit, um, you're humbling yourself, living in community, practicing those, those means of grace, um, you can mature. Um, and so we recognize that people are new in Christ, they're growing in Christ, they're mature in Christ, and our ministry does seek not to be programmatic. We have to offer things, right? Core classes, training day, um, uh, some Bible studies like Summit and the Women's Study. We, we offer those things, certainly, but it's not a one-size-fits-all right, approach. Right, right. And we want to respect people and recognize, hey, um, where are you in your spiritual journey and how can we help you? No doubt. I, there's actually quite a bit around here. People sometimes ask me like, Hey, what would you do with this guy? You know? Right. And, and it's like, I think I feel like a lot of times people are looking for that, you know, Hey, what's that cookie cutter thing I can put him into so that out on the other end, we'll pop this more mature, you know, um, person. And my answer to them always is like, it totally depends on where, where they are. Right. You know, I mean, and which which requires uh, against the programmatic solution type thing. It requires engaging in relationship. It, it requires getting to know that person. It requires it, it requires engaging, um, you know, their their belief systems and being able to see like, I mean, just the conversation you and I had earlier today, like it's it's hey, what are you believing and not believing um, about the truth of the gospel? Has this saturated your heart so that we're, we're not just. Um, as much as we say, hey, we, 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 you know, we don't want to create smarter sinners. I mean, um, a programmatic type solution, it, it, for the most part, you know, does produce that type of thing right. because it's void of any kind of relationship whereby you can actually know the person, engage them um, personally so that they can take that next step. Instead of trying to feel like they have to fit into an assembly line. Right. And, that, and that's on every – that's where our leader training – is so important is we want our leaders to understand, Hey, we've got to move past. Hey, 
do you understand the content? We've got to address the, the head, yep. the hand, the heart, the hand, um, and challenge people to um, our or challenge our leaders to shepherd the hearts of the people who are there and to recognize they are in different places. Look, I've got four kids. Okay. And I would not be a really good dad if I treated all four kids in a programmatic way. Totally. They're in different places. They have different mm-hmm. interests. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, one of my little girls loves drama and theater and choir. I mean, if I asked my other daughter if she was interested in any of that, <laughs> she would laugh and run. Okay. And so there's different interests. The God's made us differently. And so we're different people and we can't think programmatically. The other problem with the programmatic approach is, is that you can actually fall into this mindset that you can graduate mm-hmm. and we're never done. Yeah, yeah. We're never done. So we have a yeah. quick disciple one, two, three, but guess what? When you finish three, (laughs) you're not done. (laughs) Right. And so we never want to, um, create this idea that, um, that you're done on the side of heaven. Yeah. There's a great, um, there's a great quote I I love about Eugene Peterson, um, who, uh, he, he just said the, um, when you come to the foot of the cross, um, there are no experts. We are all beginners. You know, and that's the I love, too, because uh, reading reading Foster's book again is here's a guy who for decades has has disciplined himself for the purpose of godliness. Mm-hmm. And what he tell what he says in the introduction to that to the celebration discipline book is he says, um, the more the more you practice these things, the deeper you grow in intimacy with Jesus, the more you realize that even though you've been doing this for a long time, you are still a beginner, mm-hmm. you know, and that's there. There's a humility there. Um, that uh, you can't fake it. There's no, like, you just know it when you see it. You're like, Hey, you've been with Jesus. And, and, uh, and that absolutely, um, w- when you're talking about the personalized over programmatic, that's not something you can program into someone and just produce. That is a work of the spirit over time, um, of someone, um, who in, in community, um, in practicing a means of grace and to know Jesus ultimately grows up to use the language of Colossians one at the, you know, 28 and 29, who is mature in Christ. Right. And think about this though. This isn't just true of our ministry and how we want to shape and lead our ministry. This is just true for every individual. The Lord is not looking for us to relate to him Mm -hmm. on a programmatic basis, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? Just think about prayers that honor the Lord. He doesn't want us to pray in this rote, mindless, um, calloused, formulaic way. He mm-hmm. desires relationship with us. I mean, just imagine if my son every day when he saw me, he said the same. Hello, father. <laughs> I hope you have a swell day. <laughs> right. If he just said the same thing. What? And so, but yet we kind of fall into this thinking that a, a programmatic way of relating to the Lord, which is a real mistake and it can lead to legalism. It can lead to burnout, fatigue, frustration, anger. And so, um, and what I just say is, Hey, the, the, the goal is, again, so to conform us to the image of Christ so we can know the Father. And here's the amazing thing. I know this is a little bit off topic. Here's the amazing thing. Even when the Lord does call us home mm-hmm. and and he completes what he started in this Philippians 1.6, you realize God is inscrutable. One of, one of the attributes of God is he is inscrutable. We will spend eternity and still not get to the end of knowing the mind of God. That that's yeah. think about that for a second. Yeah. <laughs> is that is that we continue to relate and know and learn new things about God even in heaven. Mm-hmm.
And that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And it's a God who's good and loving and kind and all knowing and holy. And we get the opportunity to continue to grow in our understanding of who he is. That's great. great. All of these principles, though, are best done in isolation, right? Is that, isn't that what you taught me? Yeah, no, yes. maybe not. That's what Todd says all yeah, the time. All this time. is watermark isolation. isolation watermark. <laughs> yeah, right. so, I mean, hearing you guys talk about all this is, all, all of this is true, and yet we would just say one of these principles that permeates our culture and should permeate Christian culture is just all of this is best done in community versus mm-hmm. isolation. And so, like, why don't you speak to that, just how that looks in our ministry and then how that should look for folks at home listening. So if you've been a watermark for, very long, you've heard a thousand times, you know, we believe life change happens best within the context of community, because here's the deal. Okay. Proverbs 18, one says, he who separates himself, seeks his own desire, quarrels against all sound wisdom Mm -hmm. is that we, we are the best at tricking ourselves. (laughs) We we will fool ourselves, right? Jeremiah, what do you say? The heart is deceitfully wicked. And so we need each other. If you think of Romans 12, you think about first Corinthians 12, this whole metaphor of the body of Christ um, one's the hand, one's the eye. We need one another for sharpening, for encouragement. And, and so, because left to our, left to our own devices, left on our own, we're going to choose that which is self-absorbed and um, self-centered. And so we, we constantly talk about um, that life change happens best within the context of community because that's where you find encouragement and prayer mm-hmm. and love mm-hmm. and help mm-hmm. and um, and support and uh, even accountability and rebuke yeah. and honest feedback and acceptance. Yeah. And so, yeah, you learn that it's church leaders conference, not leadership conference, but <laughs> it's being in community with Rick Smith. You know, I also think this community isolation thing is something we we've talked about already just truth over tradition and just right thinking about the Lord. And um, we joke, but you do meet people who open up their scriptures and they read something and they decide this is what it means. And we're going, hey, nobody else thinks that's right. what that means. Right. And oftentimes living and doing theology and community and by theology, I just mean right thinking about the Lord. Doing it in the context of community allows you to stay off those islands, you know, where you're out by yourself and you're going, I know that nobody else thinks this, but I really feel like this is the direction the Lord has me going. And that's just a scary place to be if you continue down that path too far. And so I think being in community not only provides love and encouragement, and all that, but like you talked about, like it provides those safeguards. So you're not driving off the rails and not even realizing you're in a, a mess and a crash and suddenly going, how did I get here? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the scripture yeah. says, hey, look, there's a way which seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. And so there's times where I, I'm certain I am yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> but by God's grace, he's given me a, a wife who loves him. He's given me friends who love him. He's given me you guys. He's given me a church. He's given me friends who remind me of truth and can help me see, Hey, I know you think that seems right, but that's just not, that's not going to be a wise decision. So this does inform the way we even shape our equipping ministries. Oftentimes you'll see that we don't just have large group teaching, but we have an opportunity for people to take what it is that we have taught and to flesh out within the context of community. What does that mean? How do we apply it? That's good. And even in the ministries where maybe it's, you know, for just the sake of that particular ministry, like even the webinar now where we're going, Hey, you're probably listening to this alone um, or a core class where we don't have the opportunity to break into small groups just for structure and time. Our hope and what we even try to emphasize in our teaching is go take all this information back to your community. Go take this back to your spouse. Or get your community group to come take the class. Right. And just because we continue to go, hey, if we had our way, we would always do small groups. But sometimes it's not feasible. 
But our expectation and our hope is that people are taking what they're learning and testing everything within that that context of community. There's something really powerful about um, community as well in the sense of, uh, and this is actually a discipline, um, but the, the discipline of confession mm-hmm. to be able to to be able to sit across the table um, from a trusted friend or friends who, who know every corner of your life, who know the good and the bad and the parts of you that are like, man, I, you know, uh, sometimes we hear people. In fact, I heard one of our pastors this week who got to sit in on a conversation with a guy that was that was his moment. Like nobody knows this, hmm. you know, and there is something that um, is is really deeply healing about sitting across from someone and being fully known whereby God uses the community as, as truly as his hands and, and mouthpiece to extend forgiveness, to love, to encourage, to lift up people who are wounded, who are hurting. Um, and you just can't, I mean, you just can't do that alone. Yeah. You just can't. And it's a tangible, it's a tangible expression of love of God. Yeah, that's right. And it gives, it reminds us of his grace and his goodness. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's why we, we call people all the time. We, we say this a thousand times. So why we're called watermarks. We were, we just say, Hey guys, listen, God is not trying to rip you off. He's trying to set you mm-hmm. free. There's freedom in being known. There's freedom allowing other people to know you, um, to, you know, to use the metaphor and the, the language that Jesus uses in John is to live in the light. Yeah. And, it, and, and sometimes that feels scary. Yeah. Okay. Um, but shame and guilt are, are not God's tools. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And frankly, idiosyncrasies and weirdness grows in the garden of isolation. Right. I love I mean, that. You're just, if you, you want to be, if you, <laughs> you want to be weird, then just hang out by yourself a lot. Cause there is, I mean, there, there is very much a, like we, we talk to ourselves. I mean, yes. David talks to himself in the Psalms. He's like, he's like, Hey soul, why are you downcast within me? You know, <laughs> he's preaching to himself, you know? And it, it's just a man. If, if you live in isolation and, and are not, you know, in living in the light and in community where you can receive those tangible benefits on a, on a consistent basis, you are in a very real way, you are going to be quenching the spirit's work in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so you so really if you can. are listening right now and that is you, I, I just want to encourage you email the church and mm-hmm. let us help you get plugged in. Yep. And yep. if that's you. Yep. Yeah. There's a, a question that came in, in relation to this topic of community. And so as you guys can imagine during an hour, two hours community group, a lot comes up. And so the question was raised. So how do you test so-called test everything in a community and what do you guys do with your specific group? Would you stop in the middle of a conversation and say, Hey, let's go straight to scripture or some of those. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously there's, there's a, you need to be sensitive to who's talking, the context, what they're saying, all that stuff. So there's, there's a sense of, look, shepherding people is not a science, you know, it is an art form. And when, you know, when people are trying to do the, you know, well, okay, uh, this situation calls for number one, letter B. Okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. That is not what we're talking about, you know. So there's a, there's a, there's a sensitivity to the nuances of the situation, but I, but for sure, I mean, if for for people in our community, it, when someone finishes sharing a, a sentence or what's appropriate to talk, I would absolutely, you know, just be like, hey, you said this a second ago. Um, it, um, I'm wondering, is there something behind that, or it, to ask probing. Um, questions into what they're talking about. And then you're able to say, 
okay, um, your answer to my question reveals that, you know, uh, you, there may be some, you may be missing something here. Here's what scripture says about that. And you're reminding them of, of what's true. Or just asking, hey, what's informing that decision? Yeah. I, I think also, I mean, Nathan makes a good point. We, we don't want to create a community where people feel like there's this theological policeman right there. Mm-hmm. there there's times in my community and personally in my own life mm-hmm. where I have grieved and in my grief, I'm, I'm asking, why, God, where are you? And I'm wrestling. And I'm not really asking, God, are you there? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's not really what's being asked. I'm mourning. And I don't need a friend to go, well, let me tell you um, <laughs> what the Bible says. says. Right, Romans 8, 20. And then just slap him right in the face. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, it, you know, it, in fact, it just we're all reminded of the story of Job. Right? Did you know at the very beginning the friends they actually get it right? Mm-hmm. They yep. show up. Yep. They they sit with him and they shut up. <laughs> and they and they're in there. <laughs> that's right. And they're yeah. quiet. Yeah. But then all of a sudden they start to fill in gaps they shouldn't shouldn't fill in. So I, it's a hard way. It's difficult for me to answer this, not knowing the situation. But I'll tell you the tendency of most people. The tendency of most people is simply to listen without having the boldness and the courage to speak up and to say, hey. Let me love you enough just to say what you're sharing with me right now, it concerns me because I'm not sure that's consistent with what scripture teaches. Or it seems to me that you, you're you making a decision right now and I'm not sure what's driving that. Can you help me understand? Mm-hmm. Or what does the Bible have to say about? These are just, qu- it's always good to lead with questions yep. rather than to ascribe motive, yep. but just to say, Hey, do you mind? Ask for permission. Do you mind if I share with you a passage which I think is pertinent to the situation? And therefore, you can have a discussion where you don't feel like you're the the police and the person who you're speaking to doesn't feel uh, belittled or judged. Yeah, and it goes back to point number one, which is just that continued dependence on the spirit inside of that person and then you that will lead that conversation. And so I think uh, oftentimes when we know we're going to have a hard conversation, there's this anxiety of what can I do? How am I going to do this? What's the finesse? And I think as we get in those moments, if we just rely on the Lord to lead us and them, because we're both coming from a mutual place of trusting the Lord, I think oftentimes God reveals the way that, that you should handle those. Uh, just to round it. or Nick, Let me, let me say one yeah. more thing about that, because um, I would also say for the people who are listening, who are, are members at Watermark, the, the good thing about it, too, is um, don't ever feel like you have to have all of the answers. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, it's okay to say, I don't know, or it's okay to be, or especially if it's something that, um, people can research and find out for themselves. I mean, that's a huge opportunity, um, to, to be equipped. And so we have a structure here at this church, um, where, where you can go to your community coach or your community staff person, or you can, um, you know, approach the equipping team, and, and ask. And I'm, I've sat in on all kinds of conversations with community groups where, where people are like, man, you know, this was good. This was helpful for us. So don't feel like you have to have a right, all, all the right answers you, that you have to say something profound all the time. Right. There's it's perfectly acceptable and should happen. If you don't know to be like, I don't know. And that's <laughs> why we call it common phrase. You know, we need to widen the circle. Let's widen yep. the circle. Let's yep. see if others yep. understand and others know. Yep. Yeah, that's great. Well, just to round out our time here, Blake, you know, we've talked about dependence versus independence, truth over tradition, training over trying, transformation over information, personalized versus programmatic, community over isolation. And then just one of our, our last guiding principles, we just talk about ministry through people rather than to people. So mm-hmm. why don't you speak to that? 
Well, this is what I remember hearing Todd's talk about when Watermark first started, is this whole idea, others would say, priesthood of the believer, okay, <laughs> to use a, a, a language that we don't use as much anymore. But as it, it goes back to what I was saying earlier, God desires to use all of us to further his kingdom. He is equipped, every one of us. First Peter 4.10, every one of us has been given a spiritual gift. He desires to use all of us. It's not something that's just set apart for those who are vocational ministers. And so what you would have heard at the very beginning when Watermark started, what I've seen, what I celebrate, what I see at Watermark, even to be a member here is you find your place to, to where you can serve because that's what God's calling us to do. So we talk often about God uh, doing ministry through people and not just to people. And so that's when you see the body of Christ mobilized um, using their gifts. It is incredible. I love the ministries I've seen here. That There's no way I could start. There's no way I could lead well. But gifted, godly, passionate leaders are encouraged to discover and deploy their gifts. And when that happens, um, it is a beautiful expression of what God can do through his people. Yep. So that's another uh, principle that we talk about often. We don't want people just to sit and soak and become smarter sinners. And we don't want them to um, just take it to apply to their own lives. No, we want them to see that God intends to use them and for them to live on mission, which mm -hmm. is a common phrase. Yep. But we want them to recognize that each person is called to do the work of the ministry. That's awesome. Well, guys, we're coming to the end of this hour. It kind of flew by, at least for us, it did. Um, hour today. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we, we appreciate you guys uh, sitting in and, and listening to this. Hopefully this has been helpful for you. Uh, there's a few reminders. One is our next webinar is going to be April the 15th tax day. So hopefully you've, uh, filed your taxes we're by then. We're talking about giving to Caesar. What yeah, exactly. To Caesar. <laughs> but uh, no, for that one, we're we are uh, will be more uh, theologically uh, have a theological bent to it. We're going to talk about what are the essential doctrines of the Christian faith and what are the non-essential, and how do you tell the difference, and and uh, how does that play itself out in the practicalities of how you live your life. Um, I know that may sound a little lofty, maybe for some of you, and I I would just uh, implore you like. If I could make everybody in our church listen to that, I, I would. Um, it's it's a um, it's an it's an incredibly important distinction. Um, and then also, uh, this will also be uploaded onto Watermark's website as a as a podcast on on the blog that Rick Smith and his team run. And uh, would just encourage you guys if uh, as you leave the webinar, there will be a like really short six seven question survey. Please give us frank feedback uh, that'll help us kind of improve this and and just get better in, in serving you guys. So hope you guys have a great day, a great weekend, a great Palm Sunday, a great Easter as we celebrate the fact that Jesus is not dead. In, in the terms of my my three-year-old son, Jesus is not dead. <laughs> and uh, and, the, and your son is right. Yeah, and the life that we have in his name. So y'all have a blessed weekend and we'll see you later. Thank you for listening to the Equipping Webinar, connecting discipleship, theology, and apologetics to everyday life.